Uh, this week, we're going to be picking up with Jesus. He's, if you don't know, he's the greatest teacher who've, who's ever lived. And he's currently, you're, you're going to see as we read, he's in a boat and he's using the shore as an amphitheater. And the crowds have gathered there on the shoreline. He's in the boat and he's preaching to them and he uses parables. So let's see what God has to teach us from his word this morning. This is Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. This is God's word. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Uh, Jesus, you are the greatest teacher who's ever lived. I ask this morning that you would prime the soil of our hearts that you would bring growth where we're stagnant, that you would uh, fertilize soil that does not bear fruit. I pray that you would drive away distraction and allow us to focus on your word, 
because it is powerful. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week I was reading a book by a pastor and author, and um, he's not really famous, but he's famous enough that he's got a book. And uh, I get to the end of the book, and there's a about the author section. And I start reading this, and it's nine page, it's basically a nine page resume of everything this guy has done in his whole life, his whole career as a pastor and a teacher. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this guy has done a lot of stuff. When did, when did he sleep? He's planted churches, he's led all kinds of conferences, he's raised millions of dollars for mis- ministry organizations. Now, when did he sleep? And will I ever be this productive? Um, then I turn the page and there's a list of the 14 books that he's written. Uh, if any of you have written one book, I will be impressed. I'll be like, wow, good. That's pretty cool. You wrote a book. You got it published. This guy wrote 14 books. I'm like, man, how did he do all this? It's amazing. I'd be happy to accomplish half as much. And we, we all want to live fruitful lives, not just in our careers, but in our spiritual lives. We want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's a good desire. We should want that. Uh, Certainly the last thing we want is to look back on our life and to say, yeah, I pretty much wasted my life. I didn't accomplish much. I, I, I wish I would have gotten off the couch and done something. We would hate to look back and see that we didn't grow as a Christian. We didn't produce the fruit of the Spirit. In our passage today, we're going to answer the question, what ingredients does a Christian need to live fruitfully? What do we need to live a fruitful life? So that when we get to the end of our lives, we do not look back and say, what a waste. And Jesus, the great teacher that he is, is going to lay out three things. You'll see the outline there in your bulletin. We're starting with the word. We need the word. This is not a surprise. Um, but let's dig in. Let's dig into Jesus' parable. Uh, you notice that the, section, the uh, passage today was divided into three sections. First, Jesus tells a parable. Then the disciples come to him privately and say, hey, why do you use parables? And then the last section, he actually explains the parable he already told. So we're just gonna, we're gonna actually start in that third section where Jesus explains the parable of the sower. It starts there in verse uh, 14. So let's first just understand this parable. We've got the sower. Uh, kids, what's a sower? He's, he's a farmer. He's a guy who scatters seed. So he's going out with seed. He wants to grow a crop. So he takes the seed. He starts throwing it on the ground. Jesus tells us that a sower is someone who preaches the word, proclaims the word. Anyone who speaks truth into the life of someone else. And then we've got the seed. You see in there in verse 14, Jesus tells us the seed is the word. Or in in Matthew's gospel, he says the word of the kingdom. This is, the seed is the truth. It's God's word. It's um, the gospel. That's what the seed represents in this parable. And then we've got the four different types of soil. Uh, And these are, the, the soil basically re- represents our hearts. Are we good soil that's going to produce grain or are we bad soil that's just going to wither and die? 
And then finally, we have um, the fruit. Some soil will grow up and bear fruit. Some of the plants will grow up and bear fruit, Jesus tells us. And a lot of times when we hear that uh, bearing fruit, we think of conversions. And while that's certainly part of it, uh, what Jesus has in mind here is more like the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Not necessarily uh, bringing people to Jesus, but growing, being sanctified and being more like Jesus and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Well, I want to focus in on this, in the first point here, on the word. What is the word? What is a seed? Well, let's think about it for a second. What is a seed? A seed, you've, you all are familiar with seeds, I hope. You've picked them up off the ground. We just picked some up off of our ground in our yard. Um, a seed is pure potential, right? It is this tiny little thing, and if given the right conditions, it will grow almost explosively into a big tree, a plant, something. It will grow into something. You know, I have an oak tree. We have an oak tree in our front yard, and it's over 100 feet tall. It is constantly raining nuts down on our house, our driveway, just littering our driveway. This isn't a problem in Cane Bay, of course, but it is in our neighborhood. And um, it's over 100 feet tall. It must weigh 10,000 pounds. The roots are destroying the foundation of our driveway, maybe soon our house. And this tree started as an acorn. I don't know, 30, 50 years ago, it was an acorn. And now it's a massive oak tree, all from one little acorn. Jesus tells us the word of God is like this. The word of God has great power. It has great potential when we sow it. What this means is that in order for us to bear spiritual fruit, the word of God needs to land on the soil of your heart. Without a seed hitting the soil, there is no chance of fruit. What this means for preachers is that my job as a preacher is very simple. I take the seed, the word of God, and I scatter it. I take the truth and I throw it out. And it is not my job as the farmer to, to look and decide is that soil fertile or not. It's simply my job to scatter the seed. What this means is that there's really just two types of preachers. There's not, uh, certainly there are, better and worse preachers, but there's really just two types. There's faithful preachers and unfaithful preachers. A faithful preacher looks at the seed, he looks at the soil, and he says, I've got to to spread the truth, no matter what it costs, no matter if I think they're going to listen or not. I have to spread the truth. I have to spread the gospel. In contrast, an unfaithful preacher looks at the seed and he thinks, I I don't think they're ready for this. I don't know if they can handle this. I'm not sure how they'll receive it, so I'll give them something I know they want. Now, sometimes faithful preachers will have a small audience and unfaithful preachers will have a large audience. Uh, The the receptivity of the soil is not uh, on the preacher's shoulders. But what does this mean for you as Christians? 
Well, we as Christians are a kingdom of priests. This means we all have been commissioned to preach. Even if it's the lowercase p, we're all called to preach the good news. And many of you are. I've, I've seen you, I've witnessed you scattering the seeds of truth in the lives of your friends, your neighbors, your family, your children. It's easy to get discouraged when we're, when we're ministering to people. We're scattering the truth and we see no fruit. But keep scattering seed because the word of God is powerful. It is like a seed. It takes time. There needs to be receptivity, but you cannot control that. We cannot control that. All we can do is trust that God is powerful. Just like the oak tree in my yard, it takes time for the truth to sink in. It takes time for change to happen. But the word is able to bring growth. What this means is that your job as a Christian who's called to speak the truth in love, your job is not to make growth. Your job is simply to scatter the seed. Don't yell at the soil. Don't (laughs) yell at the soil. You'll be tempted to yell at the soil when it seems to be unproductive or unfruitful. But can you imagine a farmer going out into his field and screaming at the ground, grow, grow, grow. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. And we're not called to do that. We're called to trust that the word of God will be used powerfully. God uses his word powerfully. He promises that his word will not return void. It does exactly what he means it to accomplish. It accomplishes that. And that brings us to point two in your outline Uh, The word is not the only ingredient needed for fruitful life. We need humble receptivity. So we just spent time thinking about what a seed is. Let's look at the soils, the four different soil types. You'll see there starting in verse 15, uh, three of them are basically bad soil. We don't want to be like those. One of them is good. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that If we're honest, we see ourselves probably in all four of these. But let's just go through each one of them. First, in verse 15, the soil that's along the path. Jesus says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are unresponsive hearts. Uh, This is the kind of people who are, they're so unresponsive to the truth that they simply ignore it. They say, it's not for me. Um, They've already got it all figured out. So it doesn't really matter what information or facts or God's word you present, present to them. It doesn't matter. They've already got everything they need. Satan snatches it away. Second, we've got the rocky soil. See that in verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
These are impulsive hearts. The, the kind of people who will joyfully turn towards God when they hear the good news of the gospel, but they never let the word penetrate deeply into their lives. It's a shallow faith. They don't really let Jesus into all the rooms of their house. They just let him in the front door, maybe into the, the uh, living room, but they're not going to let him behind the, into the bedrooms and the movie room. They, they want to keep him in a shallow area. And as we see, a surface level faith will not last. Third, the thorny or weedy soil in verse 18. And others are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. These are preoccupied hearts. The kind of people who who have big dreams, big ambitions for their own glory, their own power and prestige, for their own finances. Jesus says the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, This for me personally is the scariest one. What, What is a weed? How can we know when we have weeds growing in our lives? Well, anything that is sucking nutrients out of your walk with God, it could be a good thing, could be family, could be money, could be children, work, athletics. Uh, A helpful diagnostic question to understand, is this a weed in my life? Uh, So here's the question, and you just fill in the blank. If heaven doesn't include blank, I don't want to go. If heaven doesn't include blank, I don't want to go. What, what do you put in that spot? Um, if your answer is anything other than God, then that thing is jockeying for position that only God deserves in your heart. That thing is becoming an idol, becoming a weed. We're so tempted to think that weeds are our friends. We, we, we want to coddle weeds. We want, the, we want to put some fertilizer on the thorns. But they are not your friends. The weeds and the thorns will only suck the life out of your spiritual life. They will only suck the joy. No matter what they promise, they will not provide it in the end. Jesus says somewhere else, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's preoccupied soil. Finally, we get to the good soil. In verse 20, Jesus says, But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. These are the humble and receptive hearts. They don't just hear the word. Notice all four types of soil. Jesus said they all heard the word. It all went into their ears, hit their eardrums. It registered with them. But only one type of soil bears fruit. 
This is the, the kinds of people who reflect on what they hear. They, they want to understand it, and they want to put it into practice in their lives. They understand that they don't have all the answers, that they need help. They see weeds for what they are. We should have this posture, Christians. We should always have this posture. Um, When we come to God's word, no matter what state you're in, no matter what anxieties are, are riddling your week, you should ask the question, what does God want to teach me today? What does God want to show me today? Does he want to show me sin? Does he want to encourage my heart? Does he want to sanctify me? We should constantly have this posture of humble receptivity. But it's strange. We, we see hardness of heart in others and we hate it. If you're married, you've seen hardness of heart in your spouse. You've seen stubbornness in your spouse. It's easy to hate it in someone else, isn't it? Easy to hate it in someone else when they won't listen. But we're often blind to it in ourselves. So I'll ask you, would your family, friends, spouse describe you as humble and receptive? Or would they describe you more as stubborn and hard-headed? Here's a fun little experiment. If you're married, just go, go home and ask your spouse later today, hey, honey, am I more humble and receptive or am I more stubborn know-it-all? That's a scary question. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, yeah. Just expect a fight, probably. Be wise. <clears throat> We, we see hardness of heart in others and we hate it. Uh, in contrast to that, if you've ever seen someone who is teachable and humbly receptive, it is a joy. It is a great joy. I had the, um, before seminary, I served with a campus ministry called RUF. Um, it's just a Christian campus ministry. Uh, I served at a place called Western Carolina University. And I got to scatter a lot of seed while I was there. And some seed fell on good soil and some on not so good. Uh, But I had one student in particular who was very receptive. And I can tell you it was a great joy. He would come to me, he would come to the campus minister and say, I don't understand, will you teach me this? Um, I don't understand how God's word applies here. He would ask for advice. He was hungry to learn. And it wasn't just that he wanted to learn for the sake of his head knowledge. He actually would reform his life. He would say, he would look at God's word and he would see, this is telling me to do something that I'm not doing. I'm going to have to change my life. That's the kind of humble receptivity that Christ is calling us to. And not just a surface level change, but real heart change, real life change. And if you've ever witnessed someone like this, if you've been friends with someone who, who is this humble and receptive, you know it is a great joy to watch them grow. And I got to watch this young man, his name was Sam, I got to watch him grow. And he, he suffered, and he endured suffering well because he was humble and receptive. He didn't sprout up 
and get wilted by the sun, it's really beautiful to see someone who is humble and receptive. Do, don't you want that for yourself? Don't you want that for yourself? For others to look at you and to say, there is a humble and receptive person. And for God to look down from heaven and to, and to glory in the fact that his child loves to receive the word and to change. But as we look at these four soil types, uh, the reality is each one of us has a certain amount of rocks and weeds and hardness of heart. Um, that's why we need more than anything else is the grace of God. And you'll see that in point three in your bulletin. We need the grace of God. Apart from God, the fruit of the Spirit will not happen. Growth in grace will not occur. Let's uh, look at verses 10 through 12. Jesus says in verse 10, or sorry, Jesus, uh, the Mark tells us, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. So after Jesus is done teaching on the boat and all the crowds have gone away, some of them, some of the disciples, and then some of the 12 and then some other people come to Jesus afterwards and they're like, hey, why do you use parables? Why don't you just speak plainly? Why all the stories? And Jesus answers in two parts. And I'll just warn you, this is offensive. This is uh, a true thing that will offend you. But it is still true. Look at what Jesus says. First, uh, first part, uh, he says in verse 11, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Okay, this is not surprising. This, this first part's not offensive. Jesus uses parables to take uh, to reveal a mystery, to take the kingdom of God, something complicated, and to use terms we already understand, farming. They would have been very familiar with farming, with sowing, with reaping. And he says these two things are the same in this way. He's explaining, he's illustrating the point with a parable to reveal a mystery. But the second, the part two of what Jesus' answer is, is offensive. Uh, He says, starting there in verse 11, Uh, But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah, and what he's saying basically is, for those who are hard-hearted, the parable serves to conceal the truth. Not to reveal the truth, but to conceal the truth. Jesus sees that they hate the truth, so he gives them exactly what they want. He covers it up with a parable. If you're familiar with uh, the story of the Exodus and Pharaoh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people grow up. Let my people go. In 14 times, the Bible says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Seven times, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. And seven times, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. 
To say it another way, parables are not only an instrument for revealing truth, parables are an instrument of judgment on those who are hard-hearted. This is a hard truth. This is a hard seed to swallow. How can it be that our good God, our kind, gracious, loving God, conceals the truth from some? How can it be that he allows hard soil to remain hard? What does God see? What kind of soil does God see when he looks down from heaven? Does he see soil that's just a little weedy or, or just a little lacking in uh, nutrients? Or does he see soil that is completely and utterly infertile? See, when, when Jesus, when God looks down from heaven on the soil of our hearts, what he sees is, is basically a moonscape. It is utterly rocky. There is no soil. There's not even atmosphere. There's no water. There's no nutrients. There's no chance of the word taking root. The Bible says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. See, what the Bible is saying is when God looks down from heaven, the soil is not just a little bit dry. The soil of our hearts is not just a little bit rocky. It's utterly lifeless and unreceptive. Apart from the grace of God, apart from God's intervention, we're utterly unreceptive and unfruitful. We all deserve God's wrath. If he gave us what we, what we deserve, none of us would bear fruit and we would all get his wrath. But Jesus, Jesus came and died so that you and I would be transformed into soft, fertile, receptive soil Jesus died so that you can really live. And not just to be alive, but to live abundantly, to bear fruit. The only reason any of us have produced gospel fruit is because God graciously made us into receptive soil. He softened the soil of our heart. It's a gift, the fruit of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Not the fruit of Brandon. It's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. God gives it to us as a gift. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we bear fruit, we bear fruit because God is at work 
in our life. And Jesus, when he came and died, he made that possible. Can you imagine if, well, maybe some people don't have to imagine, if you had a a failing organ, if one of your kidneys was failing, and you had to hook up to a dialysis dialysis machine on a regular basis all the time just to survive. And then one of your friends comes to you and says, I want to give you my kidney so that you don't have to live this life hooked up to a dialysis machine. What a gift that would be. Wouldn't that be a great gift? A huge sacrifice for your friend to go under the knife for your sake. You might say to that friend, look, I, I, know, I know there's no way I could ever repay you for this sacrifice. This is enormous. But I promise you, I will not waste my life. I will use my life. And I will use your kidney, which you are freely giving me, to have a fruitful, productive life. I would want to say, I would want to give a promise like that to a friend who gave me their kidney. And God, he, did, he gave us much more than a kidney, did he not? Jesus became a man. He entered into this broken world that we all long to move on from. And he gave his whole life, not just a kidney, his whole life right down to his last breath so that you might live, so that you can live and live abundantly, live fruitfully. This is good news. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your word works like a seed. When it hits the soil, Lord, it has great potential to become a mighty oak tree, a fruitful wheat harvest. Lord, I pray that your word would be at work this morning. As we opened your word and scattered seed, as I scattered the seed, Lord, um, it's up to you now. It's up to you to produce fruit, and it's up to them to have receptive hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you would be at work. And we trust, Lord, that your Holy Spirit and your word are able to bring great change and bear great fruit. I pray that there would be much fruit that comes out of Hope Community Church in all kinds of surprising ways that we could never predict. So, Lord, we lift this up to you and we trust it to you, you, the Lord of the harvest. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.